0: Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in our program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one, uh, the best leaders know how to really listen. We're also chatting with Christina Jerichitis Ger- about uh, 10 habits of successful people. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Michael Sharp, who is the uh, chairman of HunterNet, to find out what that organisation is all about. Good afternoon, Michael.
1: Hi there, Julian.
0: Well, Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, HunterNet's been around for quite a while, so just tell us a little bit about uh, HunterNet.
1: Yeah, sure. It first formed back when the BHP Steelworks were shutting down. There was a small group of local manufacturing companies that were fighting for survival in the face of the, the shutdown. And so they decided to form a cooperative, which became the HunterNet Cooperative, and uh, the slogan very quickly became The Power of Many. Okay. So the good news is, the good news is it worked.
0: And the, how, how big is the many today?
1: Yeah, well, today, uh, you know, our HunterNet members are active in not just manufacturing, but also in resources and energy projects and infrastructure and and also Defence. So we've got around 170 members at the
0: moment. 100%. That's gone from about about 20, I think, when 20 years ago when it first started.
1: Well, well through that um, membership, those companies, we're representing around 70,000 employees across the region. So it's a significant uh, voice, and Hudnet's been recognised as one of the leading cooperatives in Australia.
0: So, so it's a focus really to, to get manufacturing back here in Australia, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. It's all about local jobs and, um, you know, with around 10,000 small businesses operating in the Hunter region. The numbers speak for themselves. You know, we've got a regional uh, gross product of $35 billion. Wow. A foreign trade surplus of around $6 billion, So our region certainly important to the, the national economy.
0: So uh, obviously these days there's a lot of focus on, on the word innovation and on the innovation. I, I believe HunterNet is uh, certainly doing things in this regard.
1: Yes, certainly across all our members, but there's some significant stories. One of our members has uh, developed a remote-controlled mini-loader and uh, using the network and other local companies to work together uh, in a collaborative partnership, they developed this machine, which uh, is now being exported to China. So that's a good news story.
0: Yeah. Uh, So are there some other uh, examples of, of the way we're working together and innovating?
1: Yeah, because the big push now is with advanced manufacturing and the likes of 3D printing are coming to the fore. So we've been uh, working closely with the CSIRO to look at their capabilities. Uh, But just last year I signed an MOU, uh, uh, an agreement with the HMRI, Hunter Medical Research Institute, to uh, work together uh, with our members and look at um, future technologies that could be created around medical research.
0: So so the the organisation HunterNet is obviously you know, working together, as you say, groups. Does they provide training and all other sorts of things for the members as well?
1: We do. We have our own uh, HunterNet group training company where we provide apprentices for local industry and um, that's been highly successful over many years um, and with a variety of industries too. So we're supporting local jobs coming through from the get-go.
0: So, so that means that uh, the individual companies don't actually have to employ them. they would be employed uh, as, a, as a a group.
1: Very much so, and, and safety is our priority, and so we work very closely with our member companies to um, prioritise the right employees for the right job.
0: So uh, another focus, of course, and where I met you the other week at a leadership conference, uh, is uh, developing uh, leaders. Uh, you have a, 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 the Futures Leader Programme.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, It's about bringing the next generation through. So, um, you know, the program runs over eight weeks and with local industry leaders to act as mentors, uh, we work with the next generation and and teach them about, you know, our professional network and and leadership skills that can help in their career paths.
0: So are these uh, young people in apprentice or trades positions or are they in managerial positions or is it across the whole range? It is
1: across the whole spectrum and from a range of industries. And and the best part is they get to work together uh, as small groups and um, work on a project over that eight-week period. And at the end, we have a a, um, gala dinner where the winning team is announced. It's it's a really great initiative. So
0: so what sort of projects do you have them working on?
1: Uh, Again, they they choose the projects themselves as a a collaboration. Uh, Last year was our inaugural event, and uh, there was uh, some significant projects. And uh, we got good media uh, involvement as well through the uh, Herald and MBN, which was great to spread the good news across the
0: region. Uh, and have we seen how, how long's this program been going for?
1: Yeah, well, this was the first one last year, and okay. we're uh, just in the start of our second uh, Future Leaders program right now.
0: So, so we haven't seen the results of uh, of leaders coming out of it yet.
1: No, but I'll certainly keep you informed, Julia.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, good luck with that, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another time. That'd be great. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks, Julian.
0: Bye. Bye. Michael Sharp there, the uh, chairman of HunterNet. And uh, as he said, organisation's been going for 20 years uh, and uh, has steadily grown, and it's great to see the focus on manufacturing. And, of course, hear those figures that uh, how much uh, the Hunter really does contribute to gross national product. Christina, and have a chat on innovation. Good afternoon, Christina.
2: Good afternoon, Julian. How are you on this beautiful day?
0: It's wonderful outside, isn't
2: it? It is. It's certainly gorgeous. Yep, we're very lucky.
0: So, uh, t- And we're going to have the same day tomorrow.
2: Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's great.
0: Ten Habits of uh, Successful People.
2: Yeah, Ten Habits of Successful People. And let's just qualify our definition of success because I know you and I share, um, share views on this. Success isn't necessarily that you're the multi-millionaire or billionaire, you're the next Bill Gates, you're the next Branson, et cetera, et cetera. Success is what makes you happy, what yeah. satisfies your needs, um, because as we know, once food, shorter clothing needs have been met, um, happiness quotient does not necessarily go up with income. So success is whatever it is to each individual. And, uh, so- uh,
0: and uh, Norman Vincent Peel says that it's the... Uh- Pro, pro, the progressive realisation of a worthwhile goal.
2: That's correct. So, and your worthwhile goal could be exactly as we discussed before. It could be running a corporation that that you know that supports um, a lot of charities, or it could be running a household and having happy people walk in and out of that that household every day. So, you know, both just as valid, both just as important to humanity as a whole.
0: So, so therefore, we're. A, what habits do we need to, uh, to be successful?
2: Okay, so habits we need to be successful are that we do need to have that passion. So whatever that passion is for is totally okay. But whether it's for running that, that beautiful, warm, loving, enveloping household, whether it's for running you know, a, a wonderful corporation like, for example, Zappos, because I know we've talked about Zappos and their workplace culture before. It's that passion that goes behind that. The other very important habit of a successful or attitude of a successful um of successful people is they have resilience, Julian so they mm. don't just they don't fall over and go "Oh well, you know that didn't work," they try and try again, so take that whichever to whichever extreme you know again from the from the happy household to the large corporation and every small business in between it's that resilience that gets you you know the the energy gives you the energy to keep on going which means, um, which
0: means we have to work at it, doesn't it?
2: We do, and, you know, we can't just go, oh, well, it didn't work the first time, therefore. You and I know there's hundreds of examples out there of people that actually have had hundreds of knockbacks, you know. Yeah. What, what was Dyson's 4,127 um, attempts at a vacuum cleaner, you know, WD-40, 40 times before they actually got the, the formula right, and that was after years of research. So, you know, resilience.
0: And, and even Apple and uh, Walt Disney and people like that as well.
2: Well, uh, for sure, and you know the, the other the other thing that i haven 't actually got on this 10, ten page list is the partners that you have on yeah. in this in, you know, in this so Walt Disney had his brother who worked with him um, and did all the so disney was the Walt Disney was the visionary, his brother was the one that came up behind him and made everything happen and a lot of people actually don 't know that story it 's quite an interesting story. Yeah. So third habit is being of service to others and giving so we're, we're more and more every day there's research coming out on the benefits of giving to your to your physical being. So they've measured hormones, et cetera, that are released when we're actually giving service to others and we're feeling good because we're contributing, we're giving out. Um, a very important habit of successful people, and many of them do this, is journaling. So even if it's just five minutes at night, writing some thoughts down, um, but journaling is really important to to capture your ideas, to capture your feelings, to capture where you are... A, so that you can revisit, but, but most importantly, so that you know where things stand at the moment. And it's not until you actually write things down that you can put things in tangible, tangible terms. You know, and, Cynic talks about the limbic brain and the, and the logical and the rational brain. A lot of those feelings um, come out in journaling and we can take them from the limbic brain into the rational brain.
0: And I was just reading something yesterday. that said That's an also a good way of overcoming barriers to uh, uh, creativity. Um, oh, if you're stuck sure. in creative, you you keep writing things down. You can go back and look
2: at them. Yep, that's right. And you know, even just to to get a flow. And some people think too hard before they actually mm. journal. They think, oh, what am I going to write? How am I going to phrase it? What words am I going to use? The most successful way to journal is to just let it go. It doesn't matter if it really doesn't make sense to you at the time. A lot of times, it'll make sense to you later. Mm. Um, the, the one of the most important habits I think is to, or the most important attitudes, or, or whatever you want to call it, is to know a little about a lot. So, creativity. I'm glad you mentioned that, just then, Is coming into its own. Creative people, creative thinkers, are coming into their own. And what we're finding with a lot of the futurists and the creative people that are coming into organisations because they're they're starting to form creative positions. You know, you can mm-hmm. be the the, the um, where we've got the chief um, operation. Um, and we've got the chief financial officer. We've now got the chief creativity officer as well happening Mm. in some organisations. But they know a little about a lot because it's all about that diverse thinking and it's about being able to bring ideas in from other industries and adopt them into your own. So Mm. adopt, adapt is a phrase that, that I use in workshops constantly. Adopt something that you like and adapt it to suit your industry. So, yeah, yeah, and you you can do that. You can know a little about a lot by reading, by watching things on YouTube, by watching talks, by going to conferences, by going to networking things and listening to other people. So there's a plethora of ways we can get information these days. Um, But if we open our hearts and our minds to possibility, anything becomes possible. So Mm -hmm. very important habit. Um, gratitude, showing gratitude. And a lot of people actually keep a gratitude diary. So they, they might just write four or five things down every day that they're grateful for. And it sounds, you know, a bit corny and a bit woo wooish but it's a really important habit. And it actually can turn your whole attitude around. It can turn a depressed person, and I don't mean clinically depressed, you oh, know, when we're uh, taking, taking medications. But when you're having those down moments, gratitude, feelings of gratitude can actually turn that around into feelings um, of positivity uh, and optimism, and optimism is another habit of successful people. They're starting to measure optimism in um, many successful organisations, many successful uh, CEOs, et cetera, and it is a very important trait, so being optimistic. Mm. So we all know you can be optimistic, pessimistic, you can be a cynic, you know, um, but optimism is one of the traits um, of very successful people.
0: Yeah. Any more?
2: Oh, I have got more. I didn't know whether I'd run out of time yet. We've got about another minute. (laughs) Okay. Um, Taking a breath. So whether you do that um, through meditation or through yoga or through walking, whatever it is, taking that breath uh, and having that space. You and I have talked before and we've talked on air about allowing time for all those dots to connect, allowing time for that little bit that you know about a lot of stuff to sit in the brain and connect. So that can often happen during a meditation. It can happen during a yoga session. It can happen while you're walking. But the important thing is to take a breath. And, again, there's more and more evidence coming out um, about the benefits of yoga. So when we were um, on the retreat recently, we did 11 sessions of yoga. We bookended business development programming um, with yoga in the morning and yoga in the afternoon. And it was amazing how where the thought processes came from. Yeah, how everything that that we discussed through the day sat... Um, and then, you know, all those dots were connected and and um, people came up with, you know, those euphoric moments, not euphoric moments, sorry, those, um, what are they called, Julian, those, those aha moments, you know. When aha you're will do. Eureka, it's eureka, there you go, it's a Greek <laughs> word even. Um, so the eureka moments uh, often come from those spaces where you let your brain actually make the connections and you're not overthinking things.
0: Mm. Well, that's great. Well, that sums up uh, really what we talked about last week in your uh, retreat in Greece, doesn't it?
2: That's right, yeah. So all those lessons that we learn and all those habits of, of, of being very successful, um, whichever way, again, it's very important to say, whichever way it is for you, success is measured. So for me, that's a, a very prime thing.
0: Thank you. Well, you have a great week and we'll have a chat with you again next week.
2: michelle, I've come across a few little inventions I'd love to tell you about oh, next week. Those so inventions are
0: always exciting.
2: Yeah, okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Have a great week. You
0: too. Bye. Well, it's uh, 29 minutes to two. It's time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. As we said earlier, this one, uh, the best leaders know how to really listen. In a world of instantaneous global connection, one of the most authentic modes of communication still is just listening to someone. But listening can be a challenging skill to master. How can you build your ability? Start by creating space in your day. Block off time in your calendar to reflect on a recent conversation and to prepare for the next one. When a colleague or employee asks for advice, make sure you understand the situation. Before answering, ask a question. Clarify what they really need and give people your full attention. Look them in the eye. Put down your phone and close your laptop. Leaders who make time for uninterrupted face-to-face conversation find that it's one of their best management tools. Some very useful advice there isn't it? We pretend to pretend to listen sometimes without actually listening. So uh, really focus and uh, don't continue on with that work. Look that person in the eye and this is an interesting one. We've often talked about uh, uh, employing people how to check someone's job references. You think you've found the right candidate for your open position, so now it's time to check references. What's the best way to get the information you need? Start by soliciting feedback from colleagues who interviewed the candidate and asking what their concerns are. Their answers should form the basis of your questions. At the outset of the call, describe the job you're trying to fill and its challenges. If the referee has seen the candidate perform in similar circumstances, ask, what were her responsibilities? What did she do? How did she do it? What were the results? Inquire about the candidate's soft skills with questions like, what can you tell me about the person's self-awareness? How motivated is he? Is he empathetic? If speaking to a referee proves challenging... Look for non-obvious references by identifying people in your network who may also know the candidate. And we've probably got time for just one more. Know whether someone is ready to become a manager. When you're hiring a new manager, the stakes are high. You need someone who can effectively lead people, manage a budget, liaise with upper management and usually do it from day one. But what if a potential hire doesn't have the track record in all of the above? An important thing to look for is, in this situation is the person's awareness of the nature of management. Moving into a management role requires giving up some individual contribution tasks and taking on new duties as a team leader. A good way to gauge whether a candidate understands the role is to ask what they think management is about and what specifically they will strive to do in managing a particular team. It can also be helpful to ask what other management experiences they've had outside of work, leading an athletic team, a school library magazine, a squad of volunteers. They may have gained very useful view of effective management in any of these former roles. Well, Thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Dave Cochran will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk about networking with Margot Smith from the Australian Institute of Management. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and, of course, some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Benjamin Franklin once said, life's tragedy is that we get old too soon and wise too late.